What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the channel. This is going to be a podcast segment. Uh, the topic of discussion is going to be um, what was MMA like in the beginning or close to like the start when it started getting popular, uh, when it got on pay-per-view. And of course, I'm just going to speak from um, from my personal experience. All right. So the first UFCs were like uh, early 90s, mid 90s. I think like 1993 was the first um, UFC event. And I was really young. I was really young, but I was old enough to to remember like all the fights and remember like how I felt about watching, you know, these uh, quote, no holds barred fights. And back in the day, there was like a lot less rules. There were, you know, you could you could uh, strike to the nuts. There were nut shots, um, headbutts. Mark Coleman, Mark the Hammer Coleman was was an absolute savage with the headbutts. And I remember like, you know, watching these fights, they were super exciting because it was like a real blood sport. You know, back in the day, like <clears throat> guys were like more catered to like one style so it truly was like, uh, you know, what style is is the best? So you would have like Taekwondo dude versus, uh, you know, like a wrestler or, or you know, judo guy versus a capoeira guy, you know, stuff like that. So but as the sport, you know, evolved, um, guys got more well-rounded. Back then, the guys that had a couple of disciplines actually, you know, they excelled back then. But really, like who dominated was uh, Hoist Gracie because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu wasn't really known like that, not in the States. And um, you got this smaller guy, Hoist Gracie. I think Hoist was like 170 pounds at the time. I think he's like six feet tall. Don't don't quote me on that. But not a muscled guy, you know what I mean? Um, and Hoist was just like beating these monsters, you know. It, people didn't even understand what he was doing. I remember like back in the day during his fights like people will call them fixed they just they wouldn't understand what was happening they're like what the hell is that oh that guy gave up he was he was paid off you know it could be like a you know rear naked whatever it is hoist was like utilizing techniques that just people they didn't understand so he changed the game and joe rogan talked about this he pointed out two of the possible most important figures in martial arts like one of them is Bruce Lee. The other one in a big, big way is Hoist Gracie. And for those of you guys who don't know, the Gracie family actually cho- chose Hoist because he was less physically imposing than their best member at the time, which was Hickson Gracie. And Hickson is like known to be the greatest Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, you know, out of the Gracie family. Highly regarded. Yeah, BJJ Master, but they didn't want to use Hickson because Hickson had a build to him. You know, he was kind of muscular. He looked intimidating. Hoist was the perfect guy to display Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. <clears throat> and it was crazy. Yeah, it was a big impact. But going back to the main topic, um, I was just like mesmerized by these things. You know, back in the day, I was more into <clears throat> savagery. You know, I was attracted to violence and watching these guys kill each other. Like I really didn't have respect for the for them as competitors like that. Not until I started training. <clears throat> and then I got like, you know, more of a respect uh for these martial artists and competitors. But I was like really young. Yeah, the UFC was going. It was actually 
banned at one point from pay-per-view, which is like a, it was a big deal. It actually almost ended the UFC. Um, and what kept you, the UFC alive, you know, was the forums, the online mixed martial arts forums. You had Sure Dog back in the day. That was a really big one. I don't know if Sherdog is the biggest still, but Sherdog has been around forever. And, you know, guys posting highlights, posting media, having discussions pretty much kept the sport alive until it got back on pay-per-view. The Ultimate Fighter was a big leap for the UFC, helping them get mainstream. But back in the day, there was other, you know, there were other events. There was Pancrase. Pride FC was probably UFC's biggest competitor. I think Pride was actually bigger than the UFC. Um, I loved Pride. I Personally, I loved Pride more than the UFC at the time. I used to catch all those Pride events, man. All those Pride events. They had such amazing freaking fighters. Like, if some of these guys were competing now in the UFC, they would just be absolutely tremendous stars, you know? Um, you had Saku, Kazushi, Kazushi Sakuraba, the Gracie Hunter. They called him that because he beat, like, several, you know, Gracie members <clears throat> and um Sako was amazing. He was like undersized for a lot of his fights. He took on pretty much all comers. And his you know, his career suffered because of that his health, but he was such a warrior. Like he really <clears throat> he really embraced that Japanese samurai spirit so beloved. But Sako Sako actually competed in the UFC. I think he, he won by armbar. I think he had like one fight in the UFC, but Sako was a huge star in pride. Who else we had in Pride? I mean, of course, we had Rampage. We had Shogun Hua. We had Marillo Ninja, his brother. Um, who else? Igor Vrovchanshin, who was like this five foot eight, two hundred and thirty five pound heavyweight. Maybe he was like two forty. Just just a little, a little fire hydrant of a guy. You know, a giant killer. He had crazy knockout power. He was he's from Ukraine, I believe. And um, his fists looked like lunchboxes. Um, crazy fights with Igor, man. I remember a fight with Rampage, though. Rampage was just, like, slamming him all over the ring. And I remember Igor got injured in that fight. I think he, like, broke a rib. But, um, yeah, Pride was amazing. You had Crow Cop. Of course, Vandalay Silva was running amok. He was a light heavyweight champ. And it was like <clears throat> you had the UFC going and then you had Pride and I remember it was like a team thing, almost like team sports. It was team pride, team UFC, and guys will argue online all the time, like, oh, who got the <clears throat> who got the best fighters? Is it pride? Is it UFC? At the time, I believe the UFC um excuse me, Pride did. And then they had like a <clears throat> they had a crossover fight where um Dana White had a bet. I forgot the uh I think it was with the Pride president at the time. Um, I think I think it was like a hundred thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They had like a tournament, and Chuck Liddell came over from the UFC. So Dana had like this side wager that Chuck is gonna either beat Rampage or win the tournament or whatever. <clears throat> Chuck comes in, um, pretty epic, pretty epic crossover. Um, you know, had a great battle with Rampage. Of course, he lost that fight. And um, I think the Pride actually screwed over the UFC because they were supposed to send somebody over to compete. Uh, I forgot who it was. It may have been Vanderlei, and they kind of reneged on it. But that was another fight that people wanted to see, Vanderlei versus Chuck Liddell. Of course, that eventually happened in the UFC. But I think those guys fought like five years too late, you know. But continuing, continuing... 
Yeah, those were the golden years in MMA, man. Um, the Pride Grand Prix were just epic. They had open weight Grand Prix. At that time, my favorite fighters, well, one of them was um, Vandalay Silva. Uh, Vandalay was my favorite fighter for, for years and years. Um, one of the most violent mixed martial artists of all time. Just a complete psychopath in there. <clears throat> you know, some guys... GSP's talked about this. I think GSP did. Um, definitely on a Rogan, they, they've talked about this. But you have like athletes that compete and you have um, fighters. Vandalay was, that dude was a fighter. That dude was a fighter. And it seemed like he enjoyed hurting people. Um, just that absolute freaking savage. And, you know, in Pride, they had uh, soccer kicks and head stomps. Just brutal, brutal stuff. Uh, Vandalay would just squash people, these Japanese fighters. It was nuts. Yeah, that was the golden era, man. That was the golden era of mixed martial arts. And then Pride went under. That was like super sad, super bummer for me. Like total end of an era. Um, UFC bought them out. Um, the cool part was that you had you had some of these Pride fighters that came over. You know, um, Shogun Hua, Rampage. Same thing happened. Oh, Dan Henderson. Dan Henderson competing in Pride. Yeah, that was that was a cool aspect that you finally got to see some of these Pride fighters compete in the UFC. That was my favorite time of MMA when when Pride and the UFC were competitors. It kind of was like WCW and wrestling, Monday Night Wars against WWF or WWE as they're called now. It was just like that. It was just like that, man. We have modern MMA what it is today, <clears throat> but some of the pioneers... If I could talk about some of the guys that were super well-rounded from back then, that if you could snatch them up in a time machine from back then, put them in today's era, and they would do well, um, Boss Rutan. Boss Rutan, absolute legend of the sport. One of the greatest mixed mixed martial artists of all time, in my opinion. Boss was uh, this stand-up fighter, like super devastating striker. Boss has stated that he likes to make every strike count. There's nothing light or soft that Boss throws. You know what I mean? He Everything he throws, he wants to do damage. Otherwise, it's a waste. That was his philosophy back then. But he had a weakness. It was his ground game. And Ken Shamrock actually exposed that multiple times. I believe he tapped out Boss with two knee bars uh, on two separate occasions. And <clears throat> after that, Boss just went, you know, he just went haywire with the ground training. He vowed... Um, to never uh, be submitted again or to get really, really proficient in grappling. And he, he and boy, he did. Boss is like an aficionado on the ground. He's he's amazing. And of course, with that wicked stand-up. But yeah, Boss is a legend. He he turned into like this super well-rounded fighter. Uh, Frank Shamrock back in the day. Frank was one of those first guys who implemented like extreme conditioning. You know, and it was his cardio and conditioning that pretty much defeated Tito Ortiz in the UFC. Yeah, so Frank was a pioneer for that, the cardio and conditioning, not to mention he had a kickboxing uh, background, like training with Maurice Smith, who's an accomplished kickboxer, and then um, his grappling training uh, pioneer along with Ken Shamrock, but Ken put uh, Frank on the leg lock game, and they're actually, they're both pioneers, along with uh, Dean Lister, and, and leg locks became like a thing, as we all know, like... You know, in recent years, Husamar Paul Harris became like a just absolute monster and guys like took it to like another level. You know, you got Ryan Hall's pretty nasty. 
Where am I going with this? I'm I'm kind of drifting. Um. Oh yeah, talking about the complete fighters. Yeah, Frank Shamrock came in with the cardio and conditioning. Who else was a <clears throat> pretty well-rounded guy? Vanderley had some holes. You know, he he brought holes over into the UFC, the the wrestling and grappling. Mirko Krokop. Um. He was he was better. I think by the time he came over into the UFC, I don't know if he was like out of his prime. He definitely was better in pride. I, I mean, there's differences with the ring and the cage. Maybe that's what it is, you know, because with the cage, you have to, the cage is basically a weapon. You can get pinned up against the cage and uh, kind of crushed there and stuck. That's something you have to worry about. The ring, it really doesn't happen. You know, back in the day in pride, the refs would kind of like push you off the ropes. It was funny. They would like untangle you. And they also had, this is a complete side note, they had something called a yellow card. <clears throat> and it was pretty cool because like in Pride, they had like um, the first round was 10 minutes. And, you know, after that, I think I think there were like five minute rounds. But I know the first round was really long and they had uh, yellow cards and yellow cards were given to you. I think it was like 10 percent of your purse um, if you if you're stalling. So <laughs> it forced guys to um, to fight hard, you know. Somebody else came to mind, another guy that I absolutely loved and idolized back then that inspired me to train, Carlos Newton, the Ronin. You know, Carlos Newton developed, you know, a pretty decent stand-up. He wasn't like a great, great striker like that, but he certainly had dangerous stand-up. He was super athletic, and his jiu-jitsu was like um, super ahead of its time, you know, him with uh, leg locks as well. Carlos Newton is the man. That that's a guy that you know. If they brought him over, he was also super physically fit as well. So that's a guy if you could put him in a time machine and drop him into the UFC today. He did compete in the UFC though. He was the welterweight champion. Um, that's like that famous uh, knockout when he had Matt Hughes in a triangle choke, a standing triangle, and Hughes like walked with him, got him against the cage, and slammed him. And they actually both went unconscious, and Hughes came to first, so they gave him the win. Isn't that crazy? You know, Carlos Newton uh, put him in in today's mixed martial arts, and um, I believe he was such an athlete, he would have he would have picked up on current training methods, and um, definitely could have won some fights for sure, for sure. Trying to think what else I could rant about from back in the day. Um, there was just so many colorful characters back in the day. Uh, some of you guys remember Minowa Man. With uh, his battles with Phil Baroni, you know, uh, Phil's like, go get your shoe shine box. Like, <laughs> super crazy promos, man. Phil Baroni was um, just, a, just a wild dude. Said some crazy stuff. Um, Minowa Man, uh, who else was there? Um, Genki Sudo was super entertaining. I felt like Genki was ahead of his time. He actually competed in the UFC as well. Fabrizio Verdun competed in Pride. He was super young. He had like zero stand-up, zero stand-up. And uh, yeah, he evolved into like one of the greatest heavyweights to to ever compete. You know, he got some pretty formidable uh, striking. Anyway, guys, um, I don't really know what else to say. Uh, started drifting towards the end. But yeah, that Pride-UFC rivalry was uh, my favorite era of MMA. Um, very fond memories of it. I was like a young man. Um, I just started training myself at the time, very inspired by like the fighters of that era. But uh, in the comment section, you guys let me know, you know, what year or what era did you start watching mixed martial arts? I would love to uh, to read those comments. Um, 
who were your favorite fighters, who inspired you, what fights do you remember? Yeah, it would be awesome to uh, read those stories, guys. Thanks for listening to the segment, guys. If you enjoyed it, hit that subscribe or follow button. Appreciate it, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.